0: You missed Dunkirk. I don't know why, I just missed it. Even I, I was away when Dunkirk came out, and even I managed to, like, get in to see it before it finished. I just, I don't even, I can't even, I just... Like summer, I was working a lot of
1: the summer, but like even then, I'm I yeah. caught most films. I just missed Dunkirk. Yeah, and it's um, bizarre because I've I've seen every Christopher Nolan film except Dunkirk now. Mm, like every single one of them. Um, Do you
0: think it's because this one is more of a straight war movie? Do you think it just didn't? It's maybe. not like Inception where you're like, what is this about? Or like Batman where you obviously you're gonna see maybe Batman like he's or... quite a lot of his like gimmick based and stuff. Although it took me a while to see Interstellar. Mm.
1: Like I saw it eventually. But me, maybe it's because I've always find that Christopher Nolan's the 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 weakness he does have is like a lot of his films feel heavy. Yeah, and like especially in dialogue, sometimes he's his film has that, especially his more more his more recent ones actually, where it's like this is the most important thing ever done by a human ever,
0: um, yeah.
1: kind of dialogue, and it's like it can be quite heavy. Yeah, almost all of Interstellar is like that. aye, and quite heavy. Interstellar is probably the worst, and I like Interstellar. I did like it. I actually liked it more than most. Um, and I wasn't expecting to like it. I thought because of the heavy dialogue and their subject matter, it would really groan under all that weight. Yeah. But um, I actually really, really liked it and thought it was quite surprising just how human Christopher Nolan was doing. Like his human moments in that. But like, sometimes a film can feel heavy, and maybe when you come out of work, it's not the film you want to go see. Yeah. Um, but I still can't believe I've got to the end of 17 and, and I completely donkeric.
0: missed it. Well, you have like five days. We could edit. Not, not when this podcast <laughs> comes out. Um, I think I... I don't think I saw Dunkirk the way it's supposed to be seen. Right. Because everyone was talking about how the bloody... The audio will shake you in your seat. And yeah, the visuals are stunning. I saw it in kind of a crappy cinema, to be honest. <laughs> and like, sound was real bad and the picture was kind of bad. And I do wonder if that had an impact. But I'm not like massively crazy about it. I think it's a I think it's a damn fine movie. I think I just don't think he makes and I maybe it's intentional he doesn't make an effort to give you anyone to connect to. Okay. Everyone is either very quiet or covered by a mask or something like that. Film also follows three different plot lines. And uh he messes with the structure of the film big like time it's not linear yeah Um. so there's I'm trying to think what the best way to describe you know what I don't need to describe everything to you actually just that was kind of my basic thing was like I don't feel like there was anyone to really connect to Do you... I think he makes some odd filmmaking choices which I don't really want to go into because I don't want to spoil it for you. Do you feel that the non-linear
1: storytelling is justified? Because a lot of films are told non-linear. But usually they're... Like, for example, Memento's told non-linear. Mm-hmm. But there's a reason for that. It's so that um, it, like you really get the feel of Guy Ritchie's short-term memory loss. But do you think it's justified in Dunkirk?
0: <sighs> yes and no, I guess. I mean, it's. I, it does kind of make sense because... You know, there's, like, an aerial battle. That only lasts, you know, like, a short amount of time. But whereas they're on this beach for a great deal of time. um, So I guess it makes sense that you kind of jump back and forth because you're able to tell the three different stories. Okay, so it's three parallel stories, but they're being told mm. over. So difference. there's three stories. There's the soldiers on the beach okay, who are trying to find a way off the beach. There's the people on the boat who are coming to try... Like, the average people on the boat who are coming to try and get... Soldiers off the beach, and then there is a dog fight in the sky with flying dogs. <laughs> Tom Hardy, plays, what Tom Hardy plays flying dog? <laughs> so, yeah, so there's those three plot lines, and obviously, like the dog fight is only lasting a certain amount of time, uh, whereas the men out. on the beach is that lasts like three days, whereas the dog fight is only lasting a tiny. But that's real time. But like over the film, it's stretched yeah. Over out. the film, it's stretched out. That does seem they really jump bizarre. Back to the first time you know the first time I noticed it, it, because they don't address it. The film, you know, there's never a big moment where it's like okay, that it's it's not happening in, in in linear time. Really, there is the kind of the first time that it, you really properly are like okay, is when uh like two of the characters from the beach story appear in the boat story. Uh, and you're a bit like, wait, hang on, what's, wait, what's happening now? I thought they were all on the beach in this other situation. So while,
1: while they appear in the boat story, yeah. they're still telling yeah, yeah, the yeah. beach story. Um, that is, But, uh, what was I,
0: what was my point, Nanny? What was my point? Oh, yeah, but um, the, the, it was like I noticed it at one point where it, there was a story happening on the boat and then it cut back to the beach and suddenly it was nighttime on the beach. And then I kind of took a few scenes of this going back and forth until I was like, wait, hang on. The boat's only a few miles off the beach. What's happening here? Why is it dark, like, back at the beach? Uh. And then I realised, and then you kind of click. Then that specific scene happens where, so effectively, Killian Murphy's character is prominent in the boat story. He pops up in the beach story for, like, a brief moment, and you're like, oh, okay, this is all happening at different times and i guess it kind of makes sense. Uh, yeah no. it's a very urgent film, it's quite a stressful film. soundtrack especially it's this constant like of like a ticking clock which does get you quite on edge. um but i think he just yeah, he just makes some filmmaking choices that i and like what the fuck do i know? but like just things that i maybe experiment strange which i don't again i don't want to go into because i don't want to ruin it for you because i do think you should see it. but and then just certain ramifications for certain characters never really come to pass. and Yeah, I just, I don't know, the people on the beach I didn't really care either way if they lived or died, to be honest, because I didn't know anything about them. Aye. You know, which again, could be an intentional thing, that there's so many soldiers on the beach that they are, more, you know, these characters that you follow are just a representation of a bigger picture. But I'm still watching a movie. <laughs> I don't Aye. know. I don't know. But yeah, I think that that's kind of... My mumbled way of talking about Dunkirk. Uh, yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, Scott Morrison.
1: Hi. Uh, boo! Oh, you jump. bloody got me. I, I scared you because
0: now you, we're going into horror films. Tell me about some horrors? Aye, what was your horrors? horror film of the year? Horror film of the year? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I have, like, a horror film of the year. Even though the number five film on my list is called A Ghost Story, it's very much not a horror movie uh there's horror movies that i liked um i really enjoyed the ritual i didn't see the ritual pretty pretty, pretty is pretty... that the one in the woods with the, the
1: woods but it's also the shopping yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah. i did want to see that one it's actually. a pretty
0: that... like it's a very standard movie but it just uh you know a bunch of guys uh it's like a squad of lads one of the lads uh is killed in a robbery in a shop And uh, the last thing they talked about doing before he died was they were going to go on this mountain trip, you know, lads on tour. Uh, So a year later, they do it as like a tribute to him. And um, they one of them breaks hurts his ankle. And so they're like, well, we, we need to get back to the cabin. There's the cabin over there. All we need to do is take a shortcut through these woods. Bad idea. Turns out the woods are real weird. And there's some kind of monster in the woods uh i think it's i think it's mostly elevated by the dynamic of like the four characters is really really interesting Rafe spall is sort of the main focus of the film he's in the shop this is not spoilers this is like set up for the film he's in the shop when his friend is killed and does nothing to help Hmm. and he kind of you know feels a bit he feels a lot of regret for that and feels like a bit of a coward and the film really taps into that a lot and uh there's just some really like super interesting sequences a lot of them are are admittedly dream sequences and you know uh where he'll walk outside you know they're hiding they're sleeping in a cabin and he has this dream and he walks outside the cabin and suddenly they're back in the shop uh and then there's even without kind of spoiling anything there is a sequence later in the film where he is running through the woods and there are just shelves like from the shop just scattered by Yeah yeah uh it gets pretty crazy towards the end but I was i just kind of kept with it because hmm. I was like, "Well, this is just a horror movie, so you just have to, you just go with the the madness." Um, when they kind of start to explain what is going on, and I was like, "You," I was like, "Definitely, I could see some people not going with this." I'm totally invested in this movie; like, I'm happy uh. to go with it. I uh, also saw a film called Double Date, which I was a big fan of, which went like totally under the radar, as far as I'm aware. Um, um, I, the only time I heard of it Or
1: even saw anything about it When when you mentioned that it was a thing Yeah
0: I, I didn't know it was a thing until the day I was going to see it I think um, But yeah it's uh, Two guys One of them's a virgin He's desperate to lose his virginity uh, They basically end up asking these two girls out On a night out And uh, <clears throat> They go on a night out with these girls Who are also serial killers The two girls are serial killers <sighs> Don't you hate it, you Scott Morrison? Don't you hate it when that happens? Happens so much more than you'd think. I. Um. It's really cool because it is almost like a horror comedy. Okay. In that they show you straight up from the opening scene that the two girls are murderers.
1: And okay, then so, so it's not. It's but not then, really
0: real. then for the re- then for like the next kind of hour, they don't really bring it up again, and so you're kind of just watching these two guys trying to, like stay you know cool and make sure these girls have a good night and stuff but you know what the undertones of it are so like when funny things are happening you're also always like you're like ha 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 but you're always like they're probably gonna get killed later on in this movie or like something's gonna kick off so it is really funny but i think it balanced both those things pretty damn well okay and i liked it a whole lot and i would recommend it to everyone it is it's like it's almost like watching A sinister version of The Hangover. Yeah. Or I guess if The Hangover was about the night of the party. It's It's like watching that. Like, there's a scene, you know, it's his mum's birthday and he's forgotten. So him and one of the girls leave the nightclub to go hang out at his mum's house. But right before they went to the mum's house, he, you know, took some eggies. So, like, it's all going crazy. And it's that kind of silly humour. But also always kind of in the background is like... Things are going to kick off eventually in this movie. Um, so it's really good. I really enjoyed it a lot. Also, there was the sequel to
1: Creep. I missed the sequel to Creep. Because uh, I, I, last year you recommended Creep in this very podcast, and yeah. this very um, episode, and I went and saw it and I loved it. Yeah. Like, Creep was really, really fascinating. I did miss the sequel. I thought it was on Netflix for some reason. Mm. Like I, it, it, it's on It turned on out, iTunes. It turned oh, out iTunes. to not be on Netflix. Yeah, But um, how was the sequel to Creep? It's pretty
0: good. I liked it a lot. It really... It does quite a good job of trying to be different, because at first I was like, "Well, what what is this gonna be?" Aye, uh, is this just it's gonna be like he tracks down another person and kills them again? Who's gonna get like paranormal activity where it's just the same movie all the time? But um, he ah uh, man, I've forgotten the guy's name. I always forget his name, even though I always say he is my like my favorite sort of filmmaker working today. Mark Duplass or Duplass. Yes. Um. Who was in the first creep? They kind of do a, like they kind of just build on his character instead, <clears throat> and the relationship he has between him and this new quote-unquote victim hmm. that he has, and they do a pretty good job of building on all that. And it's 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 really interesting. I is it, as it creepy? No, but is that maybe- because you kind of you're more aware of what's going on yeah. in this one. Whereas creep, a lot of the tension came from what the fuck is up with this guy. Aye. You now know what's up with this guy. Um so it's maybe not quite as sinister, but they do do a really good job of exploring him as a as a person. Uh, so I like that a lot. And um and then what does mother count? I don't know, I didn't see mother. I don't know. Let's not talk about mother too much because I want to do a whole episode. Do a on whole it. episode on it. But at first I hated it and now I love it. <laughs> and I've still only seen it once. But I've just played it, ran it through my head so many times. It's fascinating. And now I love it. So I'm actually super excited to see it again. Um, do you have any you want to talk about? It's uh, obviously it,
1: it was the big one. It was a very good one. I really I've really enjoyed it. It's
0: interesting because Stranger Things clearly borrows really heavily from the original It. And then this new It borrows really heavily from Stranger Things. It's kind of interesting the way that's all come closer. Uh, yeah, where exactly. they would like borrow from another franchise instead of the film they're remaking. I'm excited for the sequel to
1: It. I mean, yeah. I'm excited for that to happen. Did you like it as a whole?
0: It? What like what sorry? It it
1: what what? Did you like it? Ah! I didn't ah! Like it. <laughs> that sounded like the hit from the first one. Um, no, I have a creepy, creepy, but like it was, it was weird because it, it was a creepy. You know, it was a horror film and all that, but like it felt very much like I obviously eighties nostalgia is a huge thing right now. But it did. It felt very much like a sort of mm-hmm. Stand by Me. It's then Goonies and all mm-hmm. these things that always referenced, and when it came to, it comes to Stranger Things and stuff like that. But it felt like Stranger Things, but with more of the horror element, yeah. which I thought was really, it was just really, really fun film. It was a really good film.
0: There's not enough movies about like kids just going on crazy adventures on their bikes anymore. Cause everyone's on their phones. <laughs> Whoa, millennials, am I right? Let's let's have an v- adventure where we're
1: on our phones. The other horror films that I was going to mention, won't talk about it. But Split came out this year. I think that's kind of that, if anywhere oh, yeah. it in horror, I love Split. <laughs> we did we did an uh, episode on that this year. Um, really enjoyed we really enjoyed the weirdness of it. Mm. And I get I think this is a horror. Maybe that's why I haven't mentioned it. But I really like Get Out. Fuck yeah, yeah! Why
0: have I forgotten that existed?
1: Because uh, Get Out. Because it's brilliant. Uh, I think Get Out's my favorite horror film of the year. Like I fucking loved it. Yeah, it was just outstanding, bizarre. How did I forget about Get Out? I wasn't sure if you, maybe the reason why is because you didn't think it was a horror film,
0: but I think Not, it, well, you know, Golden Globes they've ranked it in with comedy <laughs> and musicals, so who knows? Oh, a black person with a white person, yeah. <laughs> comedy gold. Yeah, um, I really liked. like that out. film. I think. It's crazy how well, uh, is it Jordan Peele, Peele? Yeah, has who is from a very strictly comedic background, made kind of one of the most terrifying films. That's another one where, when it start to be revealed what's going on, I feel like you could drop out. You could be like, "This is yeah. too silly," but you just go with it. And I was totally
1: impressed because, like, the the big big twist at the end is that the two, the groundskeeper and the maid the two black characters that they act in strange the whole time were the grandparents mm-hmm. uh, who started this all. And that is a really stupid idea, that these, <laughs> like, back country... <laughs> I know that he, the husband's a neuro-on neurologist i understand that yeah but for him to just be able to do a brain transplant in his basement yeah is mental when you think about it but i think the film doesn't i think the film deliberately doesn't give you too long to think about it mm. it's like um what's the name of the um the girl His the main tag um protagonist's uh girlfriend uh-huh. she's like go uh give me back my grandma so like, get him grandma and then you're like grandma but but, oh my god <laughs> and then like it's still action and there's a chase sequence and you're like oh my god it's the yeah. grandparents it's the grandparents and no you don't get long enough. it doesn't pause enough long enough for you to go wait a minute does that mean brain transfer yeah. happened in this film um i like i like the reveal that the girlfriend was in on it even though
0: you know it's
1: coming i feel like the problem is you know it's coming but you you, you find her so hold- in you find yeah. her
0: so endearing that you don't want it to happen when he is like get the keys and she struggled she's like I can't find the keys like, get the keys and you're and like some... you know and you know like, she's gonna turn off. oh up, turn it's up. gonna happen any moment but I don't want it to I... because I'm so invested in him getting out of this situation before it kicks off Uh uh
1: at the the creepiest mo- at the creepiest moment in cinematic history this year is definitely that the groundskeeper just running straight at the yeah. guy like <clears throat> bolting it I didn't realise till afterwards it's because the granddad was an uh, athlete he was mm-hmm. an athlete at uh, Runner I didn't realise but when this uh, groundskeeper runs straight at him. You're like, fucking hell, that's <laughs> intense. Um No, I really like this. Shout out to Childish Gambino, who gets the, the song at the beginning. Of course, it, yeah. It, it comes in I can't believe bump. I
0: forgot about Get Out. I need to re-watch that film. I think it's because I haven't seen it in so long. I only saw it, it the one time it, out, and it was It was, what, like April or something? Yeah. Might have been earlier than that. Yeah. Um, I have best, a... Best horror film of the year. I have a couple others. Or horror films? That that I forgot about. Yeah. Uh, it comes at night which I okay. think is my favourite horror film. Did you hear about that? No. Well, I heard of it, but I didn't yeah. see it. Uh, sort of a very contained, I you assume, post-apocalyptic okay. movie. Uh, but a family that is living in this house. They, they've barricaded this house up, and uh, they have very strict rules. You know, lights are turned off by this time, windows are barred up by this time, we do this at this time, and like you never leave through the or it's like the, the, the red door always stays locked and th- okay. those are kind of all your rules and uh the film is a kind of about them coming into contact with another family and them sort of letting them into this house but you don't know anything about this family and you still don't really know what exactly they're all supposed to be hiding from and the way it develops is... I, like i think I, I i can't remember when i, I can't remember i spoke about it last year but the the director's first film crecia i think is a film that really utilizes filmmaking techniques to tell a story uh in crecia in the opening scene you learn all about the uh main characters like the way she acts you learn about her relationship to the rest and you learn about the, her relationship with the rest of her family without before this is all before the title card has even came up you already understand the plot and her dynamic with everyone and the way she presents herself and there's no exposition or no kind of direct dialogue spoken but it's just the way he'll position the the camera on certain characters and things like that is just conveys all that stuff to you i feel like there aren't that many you know well there are there are lots of films that still do it but i feel Just recently in terms of things I've come across I feel like there's nothing, not as many things that set things up as well as that. And I think It Comes at Night does it pretty well as well. And it does something that I've always wanted a horror movie to do and I feel like I've never seen it. Okay. Which is have something in the background that's never acknowledged. Like, or not necessarily acknowledged. I've always thought that a creepy thing to do in a horror movie is to have things that the viewer sees happen but that the character doesn't and i don't mean like how last year when we talked about uh the gallows where you know they're crouched down and uh <clears throat> like you know books are levitating and stuff like that i'm not talking about that i'm more talking about like there's a there's a moment in it comes at night where the characters are driving somewhere and they're just talking and like right before something happens you see someone sitting on a log off in the distance but nothing attention is never drawn to it. the character has never seen it and the, the the audio doesn't go like boom or like the camera doesn't zoom in on it it just it's it it just happens Wow and like you pick it up and you're like, oh fuck that's creepy like because at the at this point you haven't seen another character in this film she's like there's someone else in the woods like there's someone else there film doesn't address it and it's just like, oh, like, this is so creepy. <laughs> it's like, it
1: like, like, not quite the same, but almost a similar vibe when it follows, when you're watching. And you
0: are suspecting everyone the, in the this background. Like, yeah. there'll be
1: someone walking towards uh-huh. like the characters in the background and you're like, is that the it? Mm. Is that the is that the it? It follows, or is it the it from it comes at night? Or is it the it from it? There's so many it's in the it world. from it. Um, but like, that's the same thing. And then there, a lot of those scenes it won't address or they'll never reveal it. It's like, yeah. there's just somebody walking towards you. Yeah. Um,
0: that's fascinating though. The,
1: even for just the idea I would seeing strongly recommend
0: the it um, the cinematography in it is absolutely gorgeous and the when when things come to a head my heart was fucking pounding uh, awesome. it's real good uh, the last one I wanted to talk about was A Cure for Wellness see I didn't see that one is that is that Dane DeHaan that's also Dane DeHaan and, and it's Gore Verbinski, who has like a super interesting
1: film career I must admit A Cure for Wellness didn't appeal for me because I've heard it, it was like gross
0: it's pretty horror. I mean it's a hard 18 and I yeah. was
1: not I'm not as into that so yeah. I like the I like psych, it follows and even the sounds of like it it comes at night um, they more intrigue me than like the gross out stuff so yeah. I didn't see a cure for wellness deliberately which doesn't yeah. seem like something that would really appeal to me
0: it's not perfect at all Um, it's very clunky and it it gets real silly Um, but I think it's just, I think, I don't know. I almost kind of feel like it has to be applauded because you don't really get these big, grandiose, like, two and a half hour long horror movies anymore. Especially something with this, like, gothic tone, like, A Cure for Wellness has. They just don't really exist. Okay. And I think the fact that this film exists in this time is something that is kinda of cool in its own right and I almost wish I liked the movie more. I haven't seen it in a long time, so it's hard to comment on specifics, but I do think it's worth watching. Okay. I do think it's 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 an enjoyable movie. I liked it a lot. Um it does just get very silly. But like I said, the whole film has this kind of gothic old castle vibe to it and like yeah. I'd recommend it. It is super gory though, it's very graphic. Uh, a lot of crazy uh, shit's uh. happening.
1: What a story, Scott. What a
0: story, Scott. That we... made me
1: laugh. And do you know what else makes me laugh? Bloody comedies, mate. What outstanding segue. I
0: know. Uh, should we just talk about The Disaster Eyes? Let's talk about The Disaster Eyes. do it. Uh, what did you think? I love The Disaster Eyes. I do love it. Wait, we have to go back to horror real quick. Right. Killing of a Sacred Deer. I missed that one. You missed it. Yeah. I'll just talk about it real quickly. Um, I like it. You I think I would have been line. more connected to what was going like so the director the director who has also directed Dogtooth and he directed The Lobster. Yes. He his directing style is he doesn't want any backstory coming into the film. He wants the film to be about the then and the now. And you are in that situation. And Killing of a Sacred Deer, you're very much in that situation. He also has this tech thing where a lot of his characters almost act like they're playing parts. Like they'll all talk in this very dry, monotone way and it's very strange the way he directs actors. Like intentionally. Okay. You've seen you've seen The Lobster. The way they I all act you seen The Lobster. I've not seen The Lobster. Okay, well for those of you who've seen The Lobster, the way people act in The Lobster, that's how they also act in this film. Okay. And I think I would have connected more to what was happening if it had been played straighter okay i think i couldn't get over how odd it was to really invest in what was going on but it is super super interesting i liked it a lot um or didn't like it a lot i still don't think i've decided but anyway we can move back on to talk about the disaster ice. what do you think of the disaster ice? i love the
1: disaster ice. i was super excited for this film because i'd uh read the book early in the year that it was um based on yeah everyone loves the room yeah especially if you're a film fan like watching so, the room so good the room is like um what's the word it's on it's on the path of growing
0: into being a film yeah. fan. you have to watch the room it's just a point. joy to watch I, it's so fun i love the room so much um i like that tommy was all really embraced that of just he's just happy people have a reaction to it. Aye. Um he's successful of it now. Yeah. Like he it
1: made back its money. Mm. It made back its money on video and DVD sales. Um, which is great. Because <laughs> he spent six million dollars on it. <laughs> um what, I made this
0: whole movie for you, Greg.
1: <laughs> it's a great line. What did you think of it and um, as a person who didn't read the book?
0: I like it. I think you you can tell they've Hollywoodized it. Does yeah. that make sense? You can tell they've taken what is probably a much more complicated story and just turned it into. They're just two pals who try to make a movie. One of them's a bit crazy. And, you know, it's all about chasing your dreams. And, um, I do, th- I think James Franco's performance is the best part. I wish the film wasn't directed by him. I wish it was directed by someone with a yeah. bit more style. Okay. Yeah. That's a good. Um, just because it's all it's all quite i don't know so it's, it's very just a pretty bland plain looking film and uh i think greg sestero is quite poorly written in it a little bit um
1: he's portrayed as very naive i was having this conversation with someone the other day who's seen a disaster artist and uh, i said like in the the way like uh, the book has like it was written by greg sestero and he writes himself as more of a mellow and a knowing character. Even though he's young, he's quite a mellow guy and he's quite knowing. Like, in the film, there's a scene where Dave Franco is in the swimming pool playing Greg Sestero. And he's written the script and he's like, he tends to Alison Breen he's like, is this a bad film? Is this a bad film? Mm. Whereas in, as the book is written, Greg Sestero knew it was a bad film from the start. Yeah. Although, someone did point out to me this week, wouldn't someone who's writing the book... Say um, that they knew it was a bad film. Like to come across as more like to come across as more wiser. At that. Yeah, I can see Although that. I feel like if you read the script, knowing Tommy so if you read the script for The Room before you filmed The Room, you would probably know that it's not a good film. Yeah. And Greg Sestero never really wanted to be in The Room. He um he was just going to be one of the the what was it the line producer who which he didn't even know what they did, but that's what he was credited as um he wasn't going to act in it tommy was so insisted that he should act on it they got someone else to play mark but he didn't want to do it and it was on the day the night before the first day of shooting tommy was so was like look i'll give you in the book it's like this shit ton of money yeah um to do the film and then my um greg sister went okay if you're gonna give me that much money i'll do it yeah as in the in the film, it's he's, very... With he's from the enthusiastic get-go, yeah. and naive. He's enthusiastic and naive because he thinks, maybe there will be... Oh, man, I can't believe you're doing this film. That's so yeah. cool. And then, like, half through, he's like, is this a good film? And you're like, of course it's not a good film. So Everybody absurd, knew yeah. from day one that it's not a
0: good film. Yeah. But he was just throwing all this money at it. Everyone's just kind of took him for a sucker. Aye. Um, but, yeah, it is, it is good. It is. It's good. I thought, like... And the, it's, it's funny, it's pretty funny It's funny. I'd be um, curious as to how it played to someone who ha- has no idea what the reality is I don't is. think it would appeal to someone who Well there was the people room. sitting behind me who were quite vocal about the fact that uh, I'll give you a rundown of some of the comments Well okay. two of the comments uh, So the first one was um, about six minutes into the film Is this like a true story? <laughs> uh, and then about 40 minutes into the film I think I recognise that actor and then the other girl goes, "Oh my God, it's James Franco, you idiot!" Oh my God, is it? Is that who it's been? And I was like, "Why, why is it always movies I'm looking forward to where I get sat next to cunts?" <laughs> um,
1: I'm not sure if it would appeal to someone who hasn't seen the room because it is quite self-referent. Like it's very.
0: Or. I think I do think the bit. During the credits is a little bit like, all right, guys, we get it. You I think like it's the room a lot.
1: self-indulgent. You've- I like it as a person who likes the room, and I like the whole. I'm uh-huh. um, caught up in it all. Oh, I like it, but I can feel that if you haven't seen the room, or if you have seen the room, it's a long time. You're not too fussed about it all. Oh, that would seem like a, oh, come on, just get to the credits. Yeah. Um. So it might seem a bit self-indulgent. Whereas I can, but I, I can understand that they did it for everyone who wanted to see James Franco just yeah, do definitely. the scenes from the film. Um. I like it. It's got sentimentality uh there's a lot more in the book about how psychologically fucked up it was um to some degree and there there is a scene the best scene is probably the one where they're doing the fake sex scene obviously the fake sex scene um and like the it's it's a true story from the book where he starts telling um the actress that her body is disgusting while she's like naked on a open set yeah which is highly untraditional for films and really disturbing and how disturbing that whole sequence is and you feel it in the film just how horrible that sequence Uh is although in the film it's played off of he's jealous of greg sestero because he has a girlfriend and and in the book it's like no he's just a maniac yeah
0: i mean it gets me so like all films introduce things like that that aren't in the true know in the true story i do wonder if it's just that the disaster artist is like so well documented at this point but yeah yeah because everybody now knows about the making of the room and it's fascinating i do recommend the
1: book but the f- the film is it's a fun film with a sentimental core and i did enjoy the yeah. disaster artist.
0: i made this whole movie for you danny this whole podcast <laughs> you made this whole big guess what you do make it all. Uh,
1: uh i want to talk about quick just quickly mention death and stalin i really like death and stalin yeah uh fun comedy um pretty i would say it's like pretty friggin opposite of fun I'd say it's pretty fucking dark <laughs> ah, it's, it's a dark comedy yeah but it's fun I um, really
0: enjoyed it that's the what i got to say Big Sick is also so amazing I love the Big Sick yeah right the they, Big Sick is really they, good every single one of those characters is written so brilliantly that I was like I could I know people like this and everybody in the film acts so within the character that was written for them Ray Romano especially I love Ray Romano it? I know someone just like him yeah and i was like this is, is it this me is fascinating is it this, me this, this, am oh, i ray morano no obviously not um obviously i just yeah i liked it i liked it a lot i was I just thought... trying to keep face in this like weird situation that i get it's like he knew her for hardly any time and just affects him so much and it was really it was fascinating because when i saw the trailer it kind of felt
1: generic for the yeah. kind of story it was telling. It was like a tragedy, like a tragedy romantic comedy. So I wasn't sure about it. And then I watched it and I was like, this is really fucking good. And I, I liked the reveal at the end. It felt like the reveal of, was it wild? Was that the f- walking film? Walking the woods. Uh, no, there was a, a oh, wild with, with uh, what was her name? Reese Witherspoon? Yes. And at the end it reveals it's a, a true story. And yeah. that's the same with the big set. Well, at least to me, I didn't know it was a true yeah, story. I didn't know it was true story. <laughs> um, Even though, I think he's does he's the character named after the actor. I don't, like I don't really know the actor's name enough to tell you, but like it, it turned out to be based on a true story, which was yeah. fascinating in itself. Um, I watched The Big Sick and found a lot of parallels with Get Out, which is very strange, yeah. especially because there's a lot of well, it's kind of about and like the like theme of interracial cus- couple who are meeting parents, and there were some mm, weird connections yeah, I guess actually, so. That's true. especially um, with the. Uncomfortable, uh unmean and polite racism in Get Out. There's a whole there's a conversations where the guy brings up that he would have voted Barack Obama for a third term yeah. if he could. And in this one, I think one of Ray Romano's most bizarre parts is when he turns to the main character, it's like, I've always wanted to talk about 9-11 to yeah. a to uh to a person. <laughs> to, to feel, he's like, You've never talked about 9-11 with anyone. <laughs> and his his response, uh 9-11's a tragedy. We lost 17 of our best guys for what was yeah yeah that's hilarious <laughs> and then he's and how awkward the situation is afterwards he's like that was a joke <laughs> yeah uh i love the big sick uh it made me laugh it made me cry that sounds like a generic thing but it was really it made me lovely really it was so sentimental yeah. um and even it would have been so easy to make that character just like um the character that goes in a coma uh, to be the kind of generic, almost too good to be yeah. perfect human. But she's a flawed human. Uh, you, But when she goes in, you're like, you really are rooting for her. Yeah. And I don't feel like I knew if she was going to die or not. I feel I like no in idea. those kinds of films, you feel like she would survive. Uh-huh. I liked when she did survive that like she didn't just forgive him. Yeah. And like there was that awkwardness. And then this whole horrible part where he's like, I, I was doing all this and I was worried and I met this girl's parents and she was all in a coma this whole time. And I signed her into the coma. Um And after all that, he doesn't just go, Now we're in love forever! Yeah. Ooh, it was more fascinating than that. It was more complicated
0: than that. I thought The Big Sick was just fucking brilliant. Brilliant. Way above and beyond the, any kind of other romantic comedy that I've seen ever, I feel like. Aye. Except maybe, no, even better than 500 Days of Summer.
1: It's because halfway through it derails like, the romantic Yeah, to, to have him meet yeah. the parents. Which... um the parents uh i can't remember the actress's name she's mrs incredible Hol- i remember that
0: is it holly hunt i feel like
1: i think it's holly hunter yeah uh she's amazing in it i love holly hunter in this film um i like when he asks her about his sandwich and she's taking mid bite he's like how's your sandwich the best fucking sandwich i've ever had <laughs> <laughs> holly hunter <laughs> i was right um I love the argument in the stand-up comedy when they go see stand-up and there's that they weird the big, guy yeah. probably the not the best written character she's like you, go, go back, back, back to ISIS. Isis yeah and she starts having a going oh. <clears throat> I love that scene that's such a it's such a heartwarming scene after all the awkwardness uh-huh. just go see the big sick It feels exit. like they kind
0: of connect in that I you know in that moment right
1: I want to talk about some family films some more kid like more like maybe kid focused but just like anime um... movies huh
0: not films? Not
1: animated films necessarily but family films because first of all I want to talk about Paddington 2 because I fucking love oh, Paddington 2. Oh shit too. yeah Paddington 2 is great. <laughs> and so I'm going, we're going in a family direction for this one some animated films. Paddington 2 I fucking love Paddington 2. That's actually up there on one of my top 10 films of the year. Yeah. Because i just, it's so charming and I remember when I saw the first Paddington I felt like I was the only person who was excited for it because I do understand we are in this age post-Alvin and the Chickmunks. We're taking old nostalgic properties, uh, old nostalgic animated
0: films and making them live action and it doesn't quite... it's not even making them live action it's making them hip hip like with yogi uh, not you uh, like uh, the, the, with alvin and the Chipmunks yeah. things like that and it's... there's a cynical
1: thing for them to do that for paddington but i had some strange faith in it and it turned out to be a really charismatic film and i feel like for paddington 2 i was the opposite of everyone everyone was like mm, looking forward to paddington 2 and i was like oh i don't know lightning yeah. in a bottle um and we saw paddington 2 that was fucking Great. lovely the paddington like i feel like right now it's the best Family kid yeah. franchise out there because it's, it's the so most,
0: charismatic. It's the most British franchise. I the fact, that it ends with a, a chase on some steam trains. <laughs> oh, <sure. laughs> that is a weird chase. You are yeah. like, where is the like British railway authority? Yeah, <laughs> on yeah, yeah. On, all the, on this situation, <laughs>
1: um, Panton's such an endearing character. Mm. He's never played as na- too naive. He's never played as um, too cynical. He's just
0: and it's so strange when the film starts going down the route of paddington goes to prison it seems that's such an odd <laughs> route for like a sequel to a children's movie to take but it works excellently brendan gleason's in this film because who else is going to bring a prison of terrifying people together than Paddington padding like, yeah. with his marmalade sandwiches although i still stand by the film becomes a whole lot sinister if you start to question why the character of knuckles <laughs> is in prison why is he there why are any of them there uh, you do kind of forget prison. that like it's like that they're probably bad people they like, let them go but the film will just be like oh they're bank robbers or something you know like something wacky like that although they go back to prison and then they get they get on
1: parole because it turns out they've they've changed yeah. so paddington doesn't let them go and oh your crimes are forgiven yeah. they come out as changed men uh-huh. uh i fucking love brendan gleason uh, yeah i didn't realize he was in this film Near did I until brilliant. he stepped out in the. I was yeah. like, "Oh my god, I can't believe Brendan Gleeson!" I thought in this it would film. just be a cameo, and then he is—he's one, one of, of the main characters. characters yeah. Hugh Laurie. He's most of his scenes is just him acting off himself. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's so Hilarious. funny in this film. Um, yeah, I don't have much mm-hmm. to say. I fucking love Paddington no, too. Check it out. Um, I hope they do a third one. I hope they do Keep I think it's them. weird because Paddington's now is a big thing at the moment he's come back as this British iconography because like um he's in the Marks and Spencer's Christmas ad which mm. is not a small thing mm. like the Christmas ads especially in the UK are huge um, I'd be stoked to
0: be in a Marks and Spencer's Christmas ad
1: <laughs> I, I'm, yeah. I'll put you in it next year don't worry about it uh, uh, one last thing about Paddington too I love the the pop-up book animation where he wants to show Aunt Lucy around London but they do it in the pop-up book yeah. and it's such a Fucking brilliant recreation of the original show in that style, um, and like to, th- they've just they basically sat down and must have spent like a whole day like, well, how can we get like an excuse to do this to yeah. put it in the original Paddington show bear style, and they did it and it looks fucking beautiful and I <gasps> love that sequence.
0: Yay!
1: Um, talk about it briefly mention it because it was probably one of the highest grossing films of this year in terms
0: of family film. Beauty and the Beast. Did you see sure, Beauty and the Beast this year as well. Yeah, it yes. did. Yeah, what did you think? I really hoped it would be the film that would... Because I feel Dan Stevens is the, one of the greatest actors going right now. And I thought it would project him into the limelight. But he's under lots of makeup for the whole movie. And it would yeah. be really sad. He's not... Like, yeah, you don't really see him towards the end. Yeah. Uh, it's about as good as all those kind of live-action remakes are. Mm-hmm. It's just the cartoon, but now there are actors in it. Aye. It's bizarre to see this come back. Are you?
1: Do you want to see this as a trend? Do you want to see Lion King?
0: see Lion King because it's John Favreau and I like the Jungle Book yeah Jungle Book was good but mm. the thing is about the Jungle Book because I feel like that
1: uh, the, as much as people have fond memories of it the original film has flaws
0: yeah
1: as where Beauty and the Beast and Lion King are fucking like almost flawless yeah. films so it's weird to make remakes of that Well, Jungle Book like, and even like Cinderella when they did the adaption of Cinderella in this style um, it worked because of that it worked because they um, they could build on what was kind of more flat films at the time yeah and maybe they can do that for sleeping beauty and maybe they can do that for snow white and they can go all, all down that road um but the fact that they've almost jumped to what is known as the disney renaissance which is known for it's <laughs> like the disney's best films yeah to remake them is a bit bizarre
0: it is strange it is strange it does it f- feels a little bit like they don't have much left in the tank so they're just going back to the going back to what they know it's Surprising they haven't got Frozen 2 off the ground, though. I'm amazed by that. Yeah, yeah like it's no been Frozen ages. Two.
1: Yeah. Like, I'm not necessarily looking for Frozen 2, but it's. Tangled's Way Bear. Moana's <laughs> better. <laughs> Fuck you. Moana
0: is better than. Tangled's Bear. I like Moana more. Let's debate that one day. All <laughs> right. Moana
1: now. versus Tangled. Uh. Um, another one is Cars Free. Haven't seen
0: it. You haven't seen Cars Free? No. I saw Cars Free. I was away. When Cars Three came out, um, and it's not been top of my list to catch up on. So I'll uh, see it. I I liked it. I feel
1: Cars Three goes in that. It looks same like Rocky. Place. It
0: looks like Rocky Balboa or something. Like, kind of. It kind of
1: has that vibe. It to be honest it's kind of more like Creed actually in yeah. that, If you're going down that road, um, it kind of goes in that sort of because like no one's too fond of the original Cars and no one likes Cars Two, but Cars Three kind of goes in the one with like. Monsters University and Finding Dory where it's like, they're not bad. What, Cars 2? Cars 3, sorry. Oh. Cars 3, where it's like, it's not bad. I see, like, cars is real it's, bad. <laughs> it's Cars, it's Mackensen, um, but it's nothing phenomenal. Yeah, I like some of the flaws of it and I, I was really... I'm surprised watching it how reinvested I got in...
0: Like, Lightning McQueen. Ca- Lightning McQueen. Yeah. um, You know why I don't think Cars works? Go on. I think it's because all the other Pixar movies... Are all set in our world. Okay. So, like Toy Story, it's our world, but the toys come to life. In a bug's life, it's our world. And the bugs, you know, that's what's happening with the bugs. And, you know, Incredibles, superheroes. And Inside Out, it's, you know, your thoughts and things like that. Mm. But Cars is the only one out of all of these Pixar movies that's set in this weird alternate dimension where it is Earth, but everything's catered to cars. And also, all the people are cars and they talk. Mm. It's really strange. It's a very strange world. Yeah, and sometimes I wonder if maybe that's why cars is the one that people just don't get on board with at all. Yeah, they've made three. I always of them wonder what people because do. Because they can sell toys really easily.
1: Because, like, obviously, Lightning McQueen's a racer, but what does everyone else do? It just seems bizarre. Yeah, like, like what, what's
0: your day job? Right, if you're... What,
1: what's the office block of uh, cars that go to their white collar job? Yeah. Blue collar job It's rather. really
0: bizarre. It's How do they get up those skyscrapers? But it's. The third one's in dear regards. Okay.
1: Have you got any other family kids? No, there? I actually
0: feel like I saw virtually none this year, to be That's honest. So... I guess
1: there's like a Batman, but we've already talked about that. Yeah. Um Films that uh go for the Oscars right now, like the film the Oscar films that came out this year. Let's talk about not necessarily the Oscars themselves, but the films that came round. For example, the big one this year was La La Land. Yeah. Um
0: so, so long ago, Danny. <laughs>
1: yeah. Have you rewatched any no. of these? Okay, there's La La Land, um, which I feel like I really want to rewatch. Yeah. Because I feel like I same. just. I think I I'm did, maybe missing something. The, the, techni- the technical level was really, really good.
0: Mm. Um, but they're like, the story just isn't. They said that flatter. they kind of stopped being a musical, and a lot of people have. I have seen people justify why that happens, and I kind of get it, but. I don't know, I maybe differ. I think it blows its fucking load way too early. The first that sequence, opening sequence yeah, is brilliant, well, and it never incredible. gets better than that. Yeah. Yeah. I, get, I can see that. I like. I am a sucker
1: for the visual of them in the conservat the conservatory, not yeah. the observatory, is what I mean, and them dancing among the stars at such a such that looks like it should have been an iconic image from the 1950s, uh-huh. but like made now. Um, I get the appeal, um, but I always describe like maybe La La Land is like a musical that's successful because it's a musical in a like it's water in a drought. Like yeah. there's not many musicals going on, and although it got such. Good technical level. Like, it's not as endearing as some of the classic mm-hmm. ones. And if you had more musicals, maybe a La La Land would get a bit more lost in them. Mm-hmm. Um, the founder we already talked about. Yep. Um, the only other one that I, re- I think I fully saw was Moonlight. Moonlight, which, which is, is again, a stunning movie. It's a very stunning movie. It's, it's Again, it's
0: been a long time since yeah, I've Yeah, that's it. Ja- like, January or February. And I haven't seen it again since. And I know I love it. I, uh, just, I don't know what I could say <laughs> at this
1: uh, point. Yeah. It's a very, uh, very endearing film. I really liked it. Yeah. It was cool. The film about a black gay person won Best Picture. Mm-hmm. That was that's a really cool like Brilliant.
0: landmark in Oscars. Not that that Oscars was a great twist because I was like, "Good, this deserves to win." I, um, I was really happy about that. At the cool. same time, though, who cares <laughs> the Oscars? It's like it's all hearsay. We'll see which ones remembered I... years from now. Um, let's talk about Suicide Squad won an Oscar. Yeah. Oh
1: dear. <sighs> let's go in the opposite direction from Oscar films. Even though this is, this might be a contention soon whether mm-hmm. these qualify as Oscar films. But let's talk about Netflix originals because there was a few Netflix original films this year. There certainly was. And there's a few worth talking about. What's what's your favorite Netflix original you've seen there's this year? Uh,
0: I don't feel at home in this world anymore. I really like that film. Yeah, nice man. Film. What I love about Elijah Wood is that I feel like he just has so much Lord of the Rings money kicking about <laughs> that he's just like I'll do whatever sure I'll be in this movie where I play like a weird neck beardy guy um, but I yeah I love it I love that they escalate the situation yeah like the main characters are the ones who escalate the situation just because our, our laptop gets stolen and they go on this weird vigilante justice quest that then just gets so blown out of proportion uh, and they end up involved with drug runners and things like that and I loved uh it's the guy, it's the actor from Blue Ruin and Green Room. Okay. Who is the director of it. He makes a cameo in the movie. Oh wow. Uh, he's, he's the one out? who spoils the book fodder at the bar. Oh. That's yeah, that's uh that's the director. <laughs> um and you can tell you can kinda tell he's friends with uh I'm totally blanking on the guy who directed Green Room and Blue Ruin, but you can tell that he's friends with him. Because the film has that a very similar yeah, tone I see what to you it. Mean. Where it's very dark. Hmm. But there is little elements of humor to kind of be found in it and stuff, and uh, yeah, I liked it a lot.
1: I like this film. I like it builds out, builds more and more out of control. Yeah, uh, that's what I liked about it. I like the escalation of it. Oh, the fucking end sequence in the mansion is like mm-hmm. mental. Like everybody's all the stuff going. getting shot. <laughs> I, um I really like. It. I like Elijah Wood in it, as you say. I like that he just he's the actor who's just doing all these bizarre performances, and he's so under the radar, but he's just doing them anyway. Yeah, like um. Yeah, I really liked Do I Feel at Home as well. anymore? Good film. Uh, there was Okja?
0: Okja. Okja. That was a very bizarre film. I loved it. I'm Brilliant. Absolutely loved it. Do you think it's better than Snowpiercer? Even though I didn't see movies. Snowpiercer. Oh, okay. Right, I must admit. I, didn't I think see it. maybe
1: it's better than Snowpiercer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this is like,
1: I, I feel like the weird thing about this film is the tone. Like, it's bizarre how, like, it, it
0: stays balanced. The, it's Even though it, it's almost like a children's film, it starts off as a children's film then brings in these very dark elements. But I don't know if you were a child, would you like? Do you think a child would be able to handle? I that? think the last what goes from quite like an E. T. esque adventure to fucking cowspiracy. <laughs> like, i feel like the last sequence would be really
1: hard hitting for a kid yeah like this whole they go to like the butch the butcher factory where mm-hmm. they're killing these pigs off and actually cutting them up into meat and i think that sequence is it's very hard harrowing that's very yeah like devin that's the closest i've ever become to a vegetarian watching yeah. the sequence it was like really horrible isn't that crazy
0: that it takes a fictional cgi pig you know, to make us question <laughs> our eating habit. Aye. It's pretty bad. Um, How great's is Jake Jill in I all loved of this? Him. Yeah. I was
1: afraid you would say he's overacting. No, I don't think so. But I
0: loved him. I mean, maybe there is, maybe he is, but like, I don't know. I think he fits perfectly into that world. Because he does. He builds the world of, of quite crazy out there characters. Hmm. So I think he works. In i think that. he works as well i think it really works in this film he's like the celebrity that's clutching uh, on to the last bits of fame that he has
1: i like the satire of as soon as like the whole parade is compromised and the the animal rights activists put out these footage as soon as that happens he puts his hand up and go i'm a celebrity and i made from my, i learn from my mistakes yeah as soon as, like, he's doing like the typical celebrity apology yeah. straight away i love that um his weird scene where he's like in the laboratory with the pig, and he's regretful, but he's still doing it. Yeah, he's mental. He's like, the scenery is so chewed up.
0: I don't think there's any
1: role Jake Gyllenhaal cannot play. <laughs> I love the film, I love the, the weird tone. The main ca- character is really enduring. The pig's really enduring for a big CGI pig. Mm. It's really enduring. The
0: story, and strange. the main character, like, I, I thought, I think that's their first movie. Yeah, it's a stunning performance. <laughs>
1: Aye. Uh, so in turn, which is your favorite? Giant Creature Attacks Soul in South Korea film of this year is it Okja or Colossal?
0: Okja just because I could find less wrong with Okja. I agree with you on elements of Colossal. Go and listen to that episode. <laughs> but I I still really like it, but I would go Okja. Okja, yeah. Um but there's one bloody Netflix movie that've just I've just been talking to about it with everybody that will listen. And everyone that's seen it. And that's Jim and Andy. Jim and Andy? Jim and Andy. Oh,
1: yes, yes.
0: Jim Carrey is woke as fuck, man. <laughs> like, did you've seen it, right? No, I haven't. You haven't watched it yet? No, I haven't watched it. It's fascinating. I need to
1: re-watch... What's it called again? Man on, man the, Moon. on the Moon. He I says things in that
0: time. documentary where you think... Like, I get it. Like you make sense to me what you're trying to convey to me, Jim Carrey, but then he also says things that are just batshit crazy, and it's like he 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 doesn't when he when he says he's not Jim Carrey anymore that he's done playing the role of Jim Carrey as he puts it, you really get a sense of that hmm. with the interview they do with him because the the way the movie the, the movie for anyone who doesn't know back in 1999 Jim Carrey played Andy Kaufman. In Man on the Moon and he went full method. uh full method on it. He completely embodied Andy Kaufman to the point where he says that, you know, he he wasn't present. Like he was Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman came back to make his movie is the way he puts it. And um it kind of really changed him and the studio there was a lot of behind the scenes footage made from the film the studios didn't want to release it because they were worried it would make jim carrey look like the worst person in the world really yeah because wow. he andy kaufman was a practical joker yeah and was a, kind of an arsehole to people a lot of the times so, and uh he jim carrey just embraced that completely and they were worried it would that yeah they were worried that it would make jim carrey look like an asshole when jim carrey was kind of their big actor at the time mm. so they kept the footage hidden until now and it's been released in this documentary uh, but I think the most fascinating parts of it are are the interviews with Jim Carrey now, because he, like I said, he puts it that Jim Carrey was a role he was playing that he's not playing anymore, and you really get a sense of that. He, watching that man on screen talk, that's not Jim Carrey. That's not like the Yes Man or Truman, Bruce Almighty, or Bruce Almighty. It's just not. He's completely different, and it's fascinating to what like just watch and listen to him talk even though a lot of the things he's saying seem crazy seem like the kind of things that a man who's taken too much acid but it yeah i think that for that alone i think it's probably the film on netflix that everybody should be going to watch right now so that's the that's the top netflix original for you of this year yes even though it's documentary which doesn't you know it doesn't matter I would say that. I would say everybody needs to go watch it. It's so That's interesting. I'm fascinated. Yeah. You I'm need to board. see it. Yeah, I, I don't even know if you need um like our a friend of our, our uh, a um, like friend of ours, uh, she watched the documentary without having seen the movie, without okay. seeing Man on the Moon. And it's been such a long time. It's just so interesting because it. it's an interesting insight into Jim Carrey. Mm. Um That's rather good. than because she was telling me about how a friend of hers didn't like it because he said oh but there are much better documentaries about Andy Kaufman out there and she was like I feel you in fact I don't even just feel this you've missed the point completely (laughs) of what this documentary is about Um, so yeah I would say that watch that that's cool
1: what for Netflix original films what was your worst because there is two contenders this year (laughs) that were not great what well you have oh The Discovery look I wouldn't call The Discovery Okay, it's more of a disappointment it, Like
0: it's disappointing yeah and it doesn't it doesn't fulfill nearly what it should it doesn't explore you know it doesn't go to explore too heavily the things that it kind of seems to set out to explore and the ending's real bad um, and I know the other one you're going to say it's Death Note because Death, Note. Death Note's Death fucking garbage and Death Note feels like a personal attack because I fucking stood by Adam Wingard for so long when people would ask me who's your favourite director I would say Adam Wingard because he did you're next and and The Guest. And Horrible Way to Die. And then he did Blair Witch, which is garbage. And then he did Death Note, which is hot garbage. It's unfathomably bad. Yeah, Death Note's really And bad. I don't care what anyone who tries to defend it says. Even if you like it in this kind of ironic way, don't. There's more fun movies to like <laughs> in an ironic way. Because this is shit. <laughs> wow. Um, did you watch it?
1: Death Note. Yeah. Yeah, I... <sighs> Do you know what? I didn't. That's I gonna it be on. like
0: good. Save yourself.
1: <laughs> I f- didn't finish it. I stopped, and I didn't get about it, but I didn't want to. And I I... I, I was a fan of the original anime. Um, I still am. Um, but like this is this is terrible. Yeah, this is terrible. And I can't believe I couple of believe Netflix wasted their opportunity to do definite when a film when obviously it needs more time. Yeah. Um, but that's not one of them that's one of the many issues of this film but like the fact it's been reduced down to
0: a movie feels painful mm, it's so everything happens so quickly it's like dark tower yeah. you know it's like all these events from the book are condensed into an hour and 20 minutes death note's the same all these events from the anime condensed into an hour and 20 minutes it's too it's too much too soon yes it doesn't make sense um I don't want to waste any more fucking time talking about that garbage movie, Danny. Let's do the offbeat indie, <laughs> offbeat slash indie films. Oh man, those those quirky indie movies <laughs> aren't they so much fun? Let's. Beat. I'm so interested because I like those. <laughs> uh,
1: let's indulge in our hipster side. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about my film of the year. Go ahead. <laughs> because it fits in this character the category the most, and I only watched it the other day. And I
0: ah, oh, I know what this is going to be, because you know, like, I recommended it to you. No, 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 oh. no, actually.
1: Not quite, no. um, There's a lot of, there's some flaws in this film, and there's a lot of, like, what the word you would hate of quirkiness of this film. <sighs> this film is very much trying to be quirky, but for some strange reason, and I'm not even not sure 100% sure why, this film really fucking got to me. I really fucking love this film. I watched Brigsby Bear the other day
0: oh okay
1: and i actually really liked it
0: yeah yeah oh no i haven't seen it brigsby um i haven't this is out of left field i (laughs) thought it was gonna be something else (laughs) um
1: we'll get to that one but um brigsby bear um i won't i think you should just go in with as blank as possible um but like i just found it really endearing and it's like it's trying to be a sundance darling so badly and i feel like the my big criticism or of it would be that it does it should try less to be that because i found it just endearing by it's just yeah. its nature and i was like hey it's a quirky film about this guy and you're like, okay um, what is that about i don't like i know i i think like, it sounds weird on a podcast we're describing films i think you should just go into it as blank okay. as possible um but like the main character is very endearing and uh, their commitment to the um, the concept of what Brigsby Bear is, is like a bizarre, mismatched, but love ultimately lovable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's v- just, I just found it really sen- sentimental when I got to the ending and I was just absolutely, bizarrely in love with it. I feel like it's going to be definitely one of my strangest films of the year. Because out of the other ones, I feel like the other films of the year I've done tend to be just good films on all accounts. Yeah. But this one, they, it spoke to me a bit more sentimentally. Okay. Uh, and even some of the some of the plot elements, like some of the plot elements, um, you kind of are like it doesn't even really make sense. That's like, like that's why would that person do that? Why I don't even understand it. Doesn't even begin to make sense. But like, I still love this film. I really, really love this film. I oh. recommend it. And well, clearly. <laughs> it somehow got to my film of the year. even At the last see what's minute. See right scores. when we thought we, that we had you. It's I don't know one. who we are. <laughs> um, but uh, you want to talk about another film? Well, <laughs> I thought it was
0: going to be Columbus.
1: Columbus. I did really like because Columbus.
0: Because Columbus is like you all over. Because it's just like two it. people hanging out and chit-chatting.
1: Um, Columbus, yes. Um, it's a follows a... John, what's his name? John Cho. I think so. Yeah, um, and I can't remember the actress's name. Can't even remotely remember where um, he comes back to this uh, to the town Columbus to uh, uh, to because his father's gone sick and he's come back to um, support him. And she, well, his father's in a coma. Coma. Yeah, and uh, she, um, she's like dealing with her drug-addicted mother and making sure she's okay and stuff and there's a lot of just talking yeah they kind of just
0: form a connection like not even a romantic connection they just just form a connection really and it's really
1: fascinating I am in love with dialogue films yeah there is elements of this that feel so much like the before trilogy and stuff like that there there is like fascinating sides Mm. to it and it's a very very endearing film I feel like the the big film that makes it different um, thing from the before trilogy is it's not really one long interrupted conversation. Yeah, exactly. Which um, probably st- that would be the... It's not even its fault. The film doesn't want to be the before trilogy. It wants to be its own thing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when you do these kind of dialogue films, when you'd make it one big interrupted conversation, the big cojona, my dinner of Andre, um, you, it kind of almost justifies what ends up being the big yeah. conversation at the end.
0: I kind of like the, the fact that... Th- you know the moments in between them having conversations are a lot quieter yeah to show that they are pretty disconnected from other people and i think that's why the connection they both have works really well is because they don't really have anyone else Hmm. Uh, i mean him especially he has nobody because the only person he knows there is his dad and his dad is in a coma Hmm. um her, she kind of has a connection with the guy she works with at the library, but Another McCulkin, Ma- yeah. Who knew?
1: How many are there? There must be probably
0: thousands of them. Because
1: a... I was like... living
0: living burrows underground. Like, that doesn't like Kieran. Yeah.
1: And I was like, is that a third one? Yeah. Fucking
0: hell. Yeah. Produce him in a factory. It's a really gorgeous film. It's gorgeously shot. It's Every shot. Ugly. And I think because the film is a, a lot of the conversations are about architecture it kind of makes sense that this is probably the best shot movie of the year. Hmm. There's not a lot of movement. In fact, there's virtually almost no movement. I got to a point in the film where I started looking out for movement uh, of the camera because, and I picked up a couple of moments, but nothing major. Hmm. And I think that's fascinating because every shot is framed like a painting. Like symmetry is super important in almost every shot.
1: One shot that made me laugh, very unfortunately, was they going through this bridge. They're going into some sort of uh, roofed bridge. Yeah and uh, they're walking towards the camera, but they are walking inhumanly slow. Slow, yeah. Like, it's, like, I know, like, even if you are the kind of person who's walking with no aim or walking with nowhere Mm -hmm. to be, you're walking so really slow, which I thought was,
0: uh, caught me off guard in a bad way, but... They're doing the museum walk. I told you about the museum walk. What's that? Museum walk. You definitely will do it when you're in a museum and you're just walking around the different things. You always walk... Really slowly, to the other thing you go into. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. You're looking at a thing and you go, "Okay, I'm done looking at that thing." You look around, you see another thing, and you go, I'm "Just gonna slowly, just meander over," because we're in a quiet museum and I don't know. There's no urgency. <laughs> it suddenly feels weird if you start moving really quickly to the next exhibit, don't you think? Yeah, I guess I'm So recall, they're doing a museum. It. That's my type five for the stand comedy club, down <laughs> It's all about museum walks. <laughs> Um that's good. No, I like
1: um I, I mean know. I have a few. I've I have, uh, like I have a few.
0: Yeah, I mean my my movie of the year apart from Logan and it was kind of a toss up. At the end of the day it almost just kind of came down to like I guess I guess I'm numbering these. So one of them has to be number 1. So I went with Logan. But The Florida Project? Yes. I have is... not seen The Florida Project. Oh, absolutely stunning. Um it is just Hello. Oh, sorry. Two sex. And we'll just do a pause there. Pause. pause. Do you want me to actually physically pause? You're at right, son. You're on the podcast. Yeah. Hang on, I'll put you on speaker. Say hi, William. The first time caller, long time <laughs> fan. Yeah? <laughs> uh uh, what's, what movie we're, talking about here? Uh, we're actually talking about lots of movies, William. We're talking about uh, what's your art- film of the year? What the movies of the year? What's your favorite film of this year?
1: Hmm, I don't know.
0: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're being racist uh, on our podcast. No,
1: no, I'm not being racist. No, I'm going. Hmm, hmm,
0: hmm, uh, <laughs> I uh, thought uh, you were uh, doing uh, like a like the old Spanish maid from Family Guy. there, like, see, sí. uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I'd probably say. Uh, that's that one of the that's yeah, well, that's the literally what we were down. just talking about. That's crazy. Oh my god, we're so sync. That is mental. Minute. Soon uh, our menstrual I, cycles will also be in sync. I can't even think what else came out this year. Uh yeah. fucking did you not love uh, Cars 3? Even more <laughs> More, <laughs> More. Um, did you not like more cars? <laughs> mm, Some um, more cars. <laughs> That's what I said, I <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's uh, pause and I'll speak to you properly. Anyway, shut up, William. We were talking about the Florida Project. Um, yeah, go away. Yeah, so the Florida Project is all set at kind of a shitty motel in Florida. And it follows a uh, mother and her daughter who are living in the motel. Uh, and it really is kind of a look at like just lower class, like very lower class society in Florida and uh that kind of family dynamic in a situation like that. Uh and it's amazing. The whole film is pretty much shot following the the children, like the younger characters. Okay. Um and you just kind of watch them wide-eyed just in the in a child like way in the way that children do just rumble through the world not really understanding, you know, the the adult situations that are developing around them until things really come to a head and it's just a really gorgeous movie I love it I really really love it and um, I had I had some debates with some people over the ending I'm not I'm not going to go into that here because I don't want to spoil it uh, the ending is a little bit ambiguous I, I kind of think it's perfect and I don't think it could have ended any other way okay fight me bro <laughs> um, so yeah I would strongly recommend The Florida Project that would be my number two Um Oh, so Raw. I didn't see Raw. So Raw, which is the French movie about cannibals. Uh, it's all set at a high school. No, high school, sorry. It's a veterinary college. Um, <laughs> a bit more than a high school. And it? it's it's crazy how they kind of... They they, they they almost... It's like they portray Freshers Week, but they portray it like it's a Mad Max movie. <laughs> just madness. It's just crazy. Um, obviously, it's very hyper-stylized. and It's just... Great, great to watch. Uh, but the film is all about a girl who starts university, discovers that she is a cannibal, has a taste for human flesh. Uh, kind of, you know, all a big metaphor for discovering yourself, you know, as you're... Is that a bad metaphor, you- No, I'm not saying it's a bad metaphor. No, no, I mean, like,
1: is that a negative bit metaphor?
0: I think it's meant to play a lot into kind of sexuality and things like that and what you're interested in and discovering things like that. Maybe, I mean, I haven't seen it in a while. I am maybe reading into that wrong, or that's maybe just me remembering it wrong. But... That's the issue with some of these movies that we've talked about. It's like, I've only seen them once and it was easy. I just know that I love it. Um, so yeah, I would strongly recommend Raw. Uh, a Ghost Story. I've, I've heard a Ghost Story. I know what it's about and it sounds like a, such a bizarre film. A Ghost Story, yeah, it's incredible. Um, Casey Affleck's character uh, dies in a car accident and is basically cursed. Or not cursed. It's not in like a, you are cursed. to," But he is... Basically, stuck haunting this house that he lived in before he died uh, and just stuck haunting it for eternity. And he's there as all these different families and people move into the house and move out. And it's all kind of the film, in the grandest, wankiest sense, is kind of about time and the enormity of time, and how much of it there is, and how much of a kind of speck you are in the grand scheme of time. And, um, it's really fascinating. The whole film is shot in, f- is it four four by one? What's the, the the old school sort of eighteen millimeter felt like ratio? Is it four by one or four by three? Four by three. Um, is it sh- is shot in that? It framed in such a way where you kind of feel trapped. Okay. Like the f- the, f- like the frame feels small and I think that's supposed to reflect the fact that the house is small and this is kind of where he is forced to live his life now eternally um the design of it is also great like the ghost is just it's just a sheet like yeah that's that's why yeah the character when after the character is dead he sits up uh on the morgue table and obviously he's under a sheet on the morgue and he just walks with the sheet and that's the way he walks the rest of the film um <clears throat> it's real gorgeous i love it a lot who would have thought that watching rooney mara eat a pie for a full five minutes would be the most emotional I've heard, experience i've heard like, that's
1: quite a long sequence yeah it forever. goes i
0: i looked it up on youtube yesterday to talk about this four minutes and 47 seconds it's the youtube hell. clip lasts yeah so it's and so many people got up and left when i saw it in the cinema and i'm like yeah i feel like if you're 15 minutes into this movie and this happens maybe this isn't for us maybe this isn't our kind of thing if you were having any doubts yeah um and then straight after that the only other f- oh no there's two movies on my list i haven't talked about uh call me by your name
1: yes i missed that one, is, well, that was quite recent one.
0: again use the word beautiful a lot the movies are beautiful um all about uh italian family an american comes to stay with them uh the, the son of the family effectively falls in love with the American. Uh, the American's played by Army Hammer in probably his best role since The Social Network. Real good. Uh, but yeah, kind of a film all about sort of... The main question at the heart of the film, and they do say it quite bluntly because he reads a chapter from a book or like a, an excerpt from a book, uh, is kind of about expressing love to someone else who may not be receptive of that love okay. and is it braver to do that thing or is it braver to you know, keep it inside which I'm sure many weird neck beardy men think about all the time when it comes to lady folks uh, but yeah just real good I actually think there were three kind of big players came out of queer cinema this year which was Come By Your Name, Moonlight and God's Own Country and I I think all three of them are really great in their own right. I think Call Me By Your Name comes out just like a little bit on top. Mm -hmm. Because also just the way he shoots Italy, it's gorgeous. And Italy is just a naturally beautiful place anyway. But oh my God, like you want to be there in Mm. every shot. You're like, I want to be hanging out where they are right now. Um, Yeah, just the way he portrays life there and even the nightlife and things like that just looks incredible. Uh, and then the last one was Lady Macbeth. I didn't see Lady Macbeth, which either. is super good. I kind of a, uh, it's almost got an X. I kind of compared it to X Machina. Yeah. In terms of it, really is proof that all you need is sort of three actors and a house hmm. to make a really interesting movie. Um, Lady Macbeth, I guess the quickest way to describe it without spoiling anything is, it's you know set in sort of the eighteen hundreds. So when this man buys the house he basically gets the woman with the house as his wife yeah and he's like you know you're going to stay home and you're going to do your womanly duties and things like that and she is very much not into that and kind of rebels against that by uh, having an affair with one of the farmhands that lives in like nearby well that works on the works on the house basically Hmm. um and then, I, I don't want to kind of say any more because I don't want to spoil it, but, okay. you know, if you know the character of Lady Macbeth from Macbeth, it's quite a manipulative character, you know, maybe take from that what you will. I think the most important thing to talk about with this movie is sound design, because, holy shit, you will never realise, I came out of that film and became so aware of noise okay noise of just my footsteps walking or doors creaking open because because the film is set in this one house and it's it's an old house so big high ceilings but it's also the 1800s so the house has got fuck all in it you know what i mean <laughs> it's just lots of empty rooms with like a chair and so sound echoes big time and so even just things like people eating and things like that the sound is just amplified so much and um it's yeah like I said for those reasons I think. It's probably the best sound design in a movie I've seen this year, which is not really something you think about that often, but it's worth knowing. Um, but yeah, you will you will come out of that movie just very aware of noise and how okay. much noise there is around you. Um, so yeah, those are kind of the big cool. ones that I wanted to talk about. I also just looked at the list and realised we've never once even mentioned bloody Free Fire. which was I was going to mention Free great. Fire. And I got um, to meet Ben. Well, I don't meet him, but I went to another Q&A with Ben Wheatley, my second one. Count it! Which was cool. Um, uh, Free Fire. Um, just a fun film. It's yeah, weird to it's see really Ben fun.
1: Wheatley just do what just seems to be a uh, face value fun film. Yeah. I, I really liked it.
0: Yeah, there's not really any deep... It doesn't seem to be any deep no. metaphors or anything to it. It is just almost like a crime caper, but uh, it just okay. all takes place in this one location. But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he just got such insanely talented people. Like, Shalto Copley comes in, just does it's the Shalto Copley line. thing.
1: I like when he's like... I'm okay. I'm um, from South Africa. South Africa is not for pussies. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. He's great in it because he just plays crazy really well. Yeah. Um. Brie Larson Brie always Larson. good. Yeah. Uh, Army Hammer. Hammer. Army Hammer again. Shit, I forgot he was in this yeah. until yeah. So I guess it. Call Me by Your Name is his best movie since Free Fire, and then Free Fire <laughs> was his best movie since Social Network. Um. Uh, Army Hammer was also in Cars Free. Is he? So, could be my name. <laughs> <laughs> his best performance since Cars 3. and Cars 3
1: is his best performance since Free Fire. Um.
0: Yeah, Free Fire is... Free Fire is just super a really good. Fun, super film. fun Straight up fun film. Yeah. yeah. It's just carnage. Absolute I'm carnage. I'm excited to
1: see what Ben Wheatley does next because that... Especially because um, that one's a slight more up like the... He's very slowly... Going from
0: high-rise to... To Free Fire seems like, almost seems like it should be the other way around. I was about to say, High Rise feels like like the grander film. If it weren't
1: the big stars in it, you'd think Free Fire would be one of his
0: first because it's a
1: low budget film. Mm. But I like that. Maybe he's got that sort of Coen Brothers idea. The Coen Brothers always budget like on un- way under their actual money mm-hmm. they have so that the and apparently the sets are really relaxed and stuff maybe that's ben Wheatley's like look i could go for a full-on i could he could even probably go for a franchise at this point yeah. if he wanted the money yeah but he was like no i'm gonna go get the money and then i'm just gonna make a small film with well it. he
0: apparently they apparently lit that whole studio the whole warehouse rather than shoot rather than light f- each scene hmm. they just lit the whole warehouse and that way, it gave the actors, like, a lot more freedom to just jump about and go a bit more crazy because they didn't have to worry. And they could, you know, shoot quicker because they didn't have to worry about changing the lighting rigs and stuff like that. And I think doing something like that, it almost feels like they built a playground for these actors hmm. to just, like, They're, These go sort nuts of films in.
1: fascinate me. Do you think, like, they must have, like, it's weird that they have this warehouse and, like, they write this
0: script around all these various locations in this warehouse.
1: But... Do they write the film, and then find the warehouse, or find the warehouse and yeah, write the
0: film? Yeah, no, I, no. They they definitely write the film and find the warehouse.
1: It just seems so bizarre because yeah. like you need like such specific things, but
0: but I mean you can take a completely empty room and make it that I mean. warehouse. You know what I mean? It's not.
1: Um, cool. Uh, I want to talk about Love and Vincent, which is very high. Up oh in shit! My, yeah, fuck. Uh, Top ten films of this year fucking loved and vincent yeah it's pretty cool uh, they all almost turn
0: it into a sort of murder mystery maybe which yeah which
1: awesome. i think is fascinating because it means like because you think that would be the problem with it because it looks beautiful obviously the f- main thing you have to talk about is the aesthetics of uh an animated film entirely done in oil paintings mm. that's like fucking mental to look at and it can be jarring it can stylistically it can be i think it takes a wee while to get into it but, like, it's worth it just to have one film out there that's entirely oil painted. Yeah. Which is fascinating itself. But then, like, the story, they um, that would be fine on its own and not worth it on its own. And uh, making it about Van Gogh, you're like, oh, you could do many different actions. But the idea of making it a murder mystery, mm. um, which also, by proxy, um, follows um, Van Gogh's life and what he was like and stuff like that, it's fascinating. It means that you have a story, you have a you have an aim for all the characters, but you also get to indulge in all the
0: flashbacks and stuff. think really adored loving Vincent mm. I loved it so much wasn't what I thought it was going to be at all I kind of thought it would just be a film about something else in the spirit of Vincent van Gogh but it's a very much about him aye. Uh, which I thought was interesting I learned quite a bit about him because it turns out I didn't really know that much I was very <laughs>
1: obsessed with him a couple of years ago and like this um, I watched like a everybody a
0: goes through a phase of really being interested in van Gogh I think aye uh,
1: um because like there was a documentary drama that Benedict Cumberbatch did where he like read out um, letters from Van Gogh because mm-hmm. that's how he got most famous. He got most famous from uh, r- uh, writing letters, and then when they found these letters and were intrigued by him, it was then they went back and saw his paintings and were intrigued by them. Um, but like he got, uh, like Benedict Cumberbatch reads out these letters um, as Vincent Van Gogh, so it's fascinating because it's he's playing Vincent Van Gogh, but he's literally using his mm-hmm. words. Which is re- and that got me really fascinated in the whole thing. I Absolutely love Love and Vincent. Um, just a, just a beautiful film. I really want to talk about um, a, a more a bizarre one that I watched recently, The Red Turtle. Oh, I've seen The Red Turtle. The Red Turtle is a yeah. strange film, isn't it? It's like a complete. It's a silent
0: film. It's dial- well, it's a dialogue. Yeah, so it's not a silent. Yeah, film. It's but like, you know, yeah. without
1: dialogue. Um, it's an animated film about a guy who gets cast away onto an island. Did you like it? Mm-hmm. I liked it. Mm-hmm. It was so it's quite beautiful just to look at. It's beautiful. It's bizarre. It's sh- um, strange tone. It's dreamy. Um, it feels like a very like almost pretentious film to declare mm-hmm. you've seen this animated film about yeah. like a dialogueless words it, because it feels very feels very existential. It feels mm-hmm. very. It seems to be about death and stuff, and it's quite fascinating to watch. Really like the red turtle um then in the in this uh, section i really liked a film like i'm not actually sure if it came out here but i managed to watch it uh dave made a maze
0: never even heard of it
1: dave made a maze is a really bizarre film but i like i was intrigued by seeing pictures of like the set basically it's about um this uh girlfriend uh, this person comes home After a weekend away working and her boyfriend in the living room has made this cardboard fortress. And she's like, oh, what are you doing in there? Come out, come out. And he's like, I can't come out. I'm lost inside. Uh, Like he made a labyrinth inside and he's lost. She's like, what are you talking about? Just come out, just come out. And so she gets a bunch of his friends. They go in and they find out that inside inexplicably, it's a bigger on the inside, huge, massive, epic scale Mm -hmm. labyrinth. And when you go in, like the set design is like it's the film of this year that I was like I most want to be on that set because it just looks just mental and lovely. Um, There's like just it it almost just looks like rooms with cardboard pasted up them, but like the just looks so creative and they put so much effort into it. The story itself is quite unsubstantial. Um, It gets moments; it does get quite Lynch-like abstract. It's quite an abstract, but it's comical. Because obviously they're like, oh, wow, this is bigger on the inside. How's that possible? But they're not as surprised that they should be. Yeah. And there is this um, maze has booby traps and it has cre- um, creative monsters. Yeah. And there's a minotaur that goes around trying to kill him. And the maze seems to be growing in a different direction. And when they find Dave himself, he doesn't know what's happening. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know half the stuff that's going on, even though he made this maze. And he still claims to have made it in a weekend. It's a very abstract comedy. Yeah. But I... Um, I really enjoyed it. I think it's definitely worth a watch. I watched a, somebody review it this year and it intrigued me, so I went and
0: I've written it. Dave
1: Made a is a strange one just for the set, um just for the creativity of it all. Yeah. Um I mean that's all the offbeat <sighs> indie films. There's one more category left. Oh my god, one Danny, more category. this is too long. <laughs> one more category, it's the last category, and the category is named and also Train Spot in two.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I talk about the worst cinema experience I had? Was it Train 2? Oh, was it? Not the worst cinema experience, babe. It was real bad. Uh, when I saw Train 2, we got, because it's Train 2, we got the neddiest bunch of people behind oh. us, but like old neds. Not oh. like young bucks. Old neds. So they come in and immediately were aware that they're pished. Oh. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, here we go. So the movies, they're talking. That's fine. Movie starts, they're still talking, and it's very loud. And that kind of fucking voice like that. You know what I mean, I film, you starting, mate. I, I, so it's annoying. So about 10 minutes in, friend turns around. It's like, guys, you need to shut the fuck up right now. Uh, no, mate, there's nobody talking at this part of the film. We can talk if we want. And it's like, no, it's not how going to the cinema works. So they proceeded to just continue to talk throughout the whole film and they were clearly drinking and they were getting drunker. It's like, I hate this. But we're like basically trapped because we're like not in the aisle. We're like really deep in and like just kind of stuck there and people are shouting but nobody's doing anything about it and these guys are just allowed to fucking sit there. And so eventually the woman, uh, like she drops her bottle at one point and then she loses her phone and so she couldn't find her phone and I was like, Good. But they're all shouting about how they, she can't find her phone. They're like, just wait, till the fuck, just wait till the movie's done. No, I need my phone now. And I'm like, I hate all of you. And when the movie ended, I was like, I hope you never find your phone or your keys or whatever it is you've dropped. I hope, I hope that. Because I hope that's the price you've had to pay for ruining everyone around you's experience here tonight. Uh, it's probably a lot of, like our faults for not going out and being like, hey, can you remove these people? But that would have just caused more hassle. Aye. Uh... Like, you already, you, like, if they're not going to, you know, they're not just going to go quietly, you know what I mean? So it was real bad, and I ended up having to go see it a second time, just to see it. Hmm. Like, we came out of that film, and we were all like, so what did you think? And everyone was like, I don't know, I don't know what I thought, because I was too busy being angry. <laughs> like, so yeah, not But great. what did you think about trains? Yeah, it's good, it's weird, it's like one of the first movies I've ever seen, which is literally just about catching up with characters, rather than yeah. having its own sort of substantial plot. Uh, but I enjoyed it because all the characters from Trainspotting are really interesting, and uh, I like seeing where they've all ended up. And... I was surprised
1: by how good it was, actually. I, was, I think, like, just such a, a big, impactful film, like Trainspotting, um, it's almost like just saying, like, hey, we'll do a, a sequel to The Shawshank Redemption. It's like, does it need it? Like, it's yeah. such a good standalone film. And I know there's sequel novels and stuff, but I'm like, but the film itself just is so standalone and doesn't need it. But, like, I was really... Tra- I was... Like, it almost felt like no time had passed. I was instantly drawn back into the the world of Trainspotting, the world of grimy Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, I was instantly back in and ready. Which is mostly
0: shot in Edinburgh this time, I think. The first one is largely yeah. shot in Glasgow.
1: I remember you said that
0: um,
1: once before, that the most... Uh, but this one, because I, I was even looking out for it, and I was like, no, this very much feels like yeah. Edinburgh. Um, but, like, um, yeah, it was good. Uh, it's very very nostalgic of the first film but then it's kind of thematically supposed to be yeah which feels like the same justification of the last jedi oh sorry the force awakens um remember when we talked about that four hours ago <laughs> um but like i was in absolutely enjoying transport and um, two, and yeah that's
0: that's, that's the that's the last section with that i don't think we need to waste too much time here at the end because we've been recording for a very long time yes danny where can people find us uh, they can find us at Facebook, Twitter at Second Opinion with a two,
1: second with a two. Um, Great job. We did we? Did we? We 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 said people should contact us about their favourite films. Oh yeah. But
0: I think. Well, William told us his favourite movie was a final project. So I'm not sure we
1: got any feedback because no. we only released the Krampus episode Last yesterday night, yeah. while we were recording this. Um, so
0: if you did feed us back, well, maybe, sorry. Uh, yeah. This year will be fun. We're gonna try and get back on the old horse of making more things like we were doing last year. Yep. Um, I don't have much else to say. We've been recording since like four o'clock. It's now seven. Yeah. I want to stop. <laughs> uh, as much as I love you,
1: and that's just I love talking movies. I love. I should. But we've got a whole 2018 to talk oh, about movies.
0: So many more. I feel like this is enough. Enough for the whole year. <laughs> uh, right. Goodbye everyone. Bye. Enjoy J.K. Simmons. La,
1: la, la. Enjoy J.K. Simmons. Bye.